time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday. January 25th, the, the January is almost over. I mean, it just started and it's already almost over. 2023 on the feast of the conversion of St. Paul. Praise be to God. A looming artificial intelligence crisis. Are we, can, do you even know what AI can do right now? It can do your homework. It could do your job probably. All of your nefarious intentions for the world, it could probably do that too. The question is, will it? Will humans allow it? What can we expect? Right now, you can fake your own voice through AI, and you can fake your own person through uh, using AI to create like an avatar of you. You could do this right now. It's all possible. But we've invited Matt Dooley on to give us some perspective and hopefully find the balance in all of this. Coming up at 35 past the hour. Breaking news yesterday, uh, Pope Benedict XVI asked for a book to be released after he died. A lot of people are talking about this. There's some controversial statements in there as well, some very critical statements in there as well. We're going to be talking about that at 15 past the hour. And then at the top of the next hour, the Mark Houck uh, trial has begun, but also there was a priest found guilty of blocking an entrance to uh, an abortion mill. And unlike Mark Houck, this priest actually wanted to block the the abortion clinic. I mean, he actually, that's what he was doing, lock the gate, glued the, uh, it's crazy. He may go to prison for a year. I'll tell you about that story at the top of the next hour. Lots of stories in the news, of course. Suspected Islamic jihadists kidnapped between 50 and 60 women in West Africa. Pray for them. Pray for them. Senator Josh Hawley has introduced a new bill called the Pelosi Act, which would not allow members of Congress to trade in stocks. Imagine that. I mean, because they don't have any insider information, do they? Mm-mm, no way. Hey, two abortion activists were arrested for attacking pro-life pregnancy centers. They faced 12 years in prison. Wow. <sighs> Who knew? I didn't realize the DOJ was in that business. Nonetheless, the pillar has reported that prior to Frank Pavone being laicized, there were several accusations of sexual harassment, grooming behavior, and coercive physical contact with young women. That's kind of a big breaking story on social media yesterday. Ukraine is, is rocked by corruption. Apparently, who knew? After the billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars we've sent over there, there's a lot of corruption at the top level. Sports cars, mansions, all of that. But we still need to send them tanks. Don't forget. And former Vice President Mike Pence discovered that he has classified documents in his home, which makes me think, Maybe I should search my home, because I probably have some classified documents, too. Anyway, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Who doesn't? I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got a giant stack of documents I got to shred. You know, who get, who has time for that, honestly? <laughs> the shredder takes forever to go through a stack of paper. So anyway, uh, I, I hate to break it to you, dear listener, but everything up until this point was generated by AI. That wasn't actually Joe. It was actually artificial intelligence. So there you go. Are artificial you, intelligence. I'm excited you, to talk about it today. Okay. And when I said you could, like, what I meant was for other people, like, I am irreplaceable. Clearly, I can't do <laughs> Clearly, there's no, you know, recreating me. <laughs> no way. Well, Are you been, know Joe's not in the room, right? Are you <laughs> suggesting Joe's that uh, Joe's not here? Foreshadowing? That's actually 
That's actually an AI generated <laughs> version wow. of Joe. Man, he's good looking. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to Adrian. I would say it's good to be here, but, <laughs> but I'm not you? actually here. Are you? I'm actually just AI, and this is my AI <laughs> trying to imitate my voice. Could you imagine if you could recreate yourself in AI, and your AI is doing your job? We're for almost you? there, man. Do you still get a paycheck? Are, oh, almost um, there. Well, obviously, <laughs> I mean, pay for so, the subscription to I, use the AI, yeah, I, right? I mean, <laughs> I, unless your job pays for it, right? And oh, then you're gone. True. Then you're gone. Oh, um, um, we're almost there, man. It feels like it. People were all saying yeah. that, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it when we come to AI. But I'm like, mm. everybody thought the blue-collar jobs are the ones going away. I think it's going to be the white-collar jobs All the white-collar jobs. Because, yeah. mm. like, right now you could go on and uh, to one of their chatbots, which I tried, but I think it's broken today. It's, there's just too many people God. using it. I try to use it. Yeah, and you could, like, get it to do your homework for you, you know, yes. write code for you. They have these stuff that are, like, yeah. made to, like, analyze right. for papers because yeah. students are submitting papers written by AI. Right. And it's better than some college student papers already. <laughs> well. <laughs> which isn't saying much, I guess. Yikes. Uh, all right, so lots to talk about today. Let's pray. Let's jump in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, January the 25th. I'm Rudy Carlos with your latest breaking news and stories. Breitbart reports a survey. American parents rank youth mental health as top concern. An analysis of 3,757 U.S. parents with children under the age of 18 found that roughly 40% say they are extremely or very worried about their children's mental health followed by 35% who are worried extremely or very about their children being bullied. The results come in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and amid uh, reports of growing youth mental health crisis, the report stated. Reuters reports U.S. poised to approve sending Abrams tanks to Ukraine. The United States is poised to start the process that would eventually send dozens of M1 Abrams battle tanks to Ukraine. Ukraine says heavily, heavily armored Western battle tanks would give its troops more mobility and protection ahead of the new Russian offensive that Kiev expects in the near future. They could also help Ukraine retake some of the territory that has fallen to Russia. However, U.S. officials say that the Abrams is tough to maintain and it's hard to train Ukrainians to operate and runs on jet fuel, making it a poor choice for this phase of the war. The Hill reports Senator calls for investigator uh, investigation into egg price gouging. Egg prices have more than doubled since last year, from $1.79 to $4.25 in December of 2022, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. In a letter on Tuesday, Senator Jack Reed called on the Federal Trade Commission to investigate whether the egg industry is using a record outbreak of bird flu as a cover for price gouging. Others say that it's the grocers that are artificially inflating the price, however. And LifeSite News reports pro-lifers rally outside of the courthouse as trial begins for Catholic dad raided by Biden's FBI. Committed pro-lifers gathered in Philadelphia yesterday to rally and pray for pro-life leader and Catholic father of seven, Mark Houck, as the court convened to hear Houck's much-anticipated case. 
Pro-Life Coalition of Pennsylvania spokeswoman Ashley Garrett told LifeSite News that an estimated 50 pro-life activists attended the Tuesday rally in front of the state courthouse. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Peter Thomas. Born in Purgaud, France, and around 1305 into a very poor family, upon the death of his brother, Peter Thomas, in order not to aggravate the family misery, left his parents and his younger sister while still a young man. He went on to the nearby town of mons Bazar, at 45 kilometers from Bergerac. Here he attended school for about three years, living on alms and teaching younger pupils. He led the same life at Agen for many years until the age of 20. The prior of the Carmelite convent of Lecture employed Thomas as a teacher for a year in their school. He entered the Carmelite order at the age of 21 and made his profession of religious vows at Bergerac, where he taught for two years. He studied philosophy at Agen, where he was ordained a priest three years later. For the next few years, he continued his studies while also teaching in Bordeaux, Albi, and again in Agen. This was followed by three years of study in Paris. He was preaching in Cahors during a procession of prayer held in supplication for the end of a serious drought when rain began to fall. This was viewed by many as a miracle. He was a pro- the procurator general of the order at the papal curia at Avignon and also an official preacher at- to the curia there. In 1354, he was appointed bishop of Petit in Lepari. He acted as papal legate to the kings and emperors of his time and seeking to promote peace and to reestablish unity with the Eastern churches. He preached crusades against the Turks throughout Serbia, Hungary, and Constantinople, and traveled with the armies. He enjoyed a reputation between both Catholic and Orthodox spheres as an apostle of church unity. His efforts for the unity of the church make this 14th century saint a precursor of ecumenism. He took a part in a military operation against Alexandria in Egypt in 1365, during which he was severely wounded. And while he was preparing to embark and return to the Curia, when he caught a cold during the Christmas feast of 1365, his condition worsened on December 28th and on January 6, 1366, reduced to skin and bones, he piously ended his earthly life at about the second hour of the night. After having distributed all his belongings, he died in the Carmelite convent at Famagusta. He was beatified in 1609 by Pope Paul V and canonized in 1628 by Pope Urban VIII. St. Peter Thomas, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Father McKeevely, writing in the 19th century, said, Our Lord now commissions his apostles and arms them with full authority to go forth and preach the gospel to every creature under heaven without let or hindrance from any earthly power to go forth 
as his immediate representatives, deriving their power directly and immediately from him and from no one else, who is the sovereign Lord and creator of the universe, to whom belongs the earth and its fullness, by whom kings reign and lawgivers decree justice. He is to be ever with them. Whoever opposes them opposes him and his divine ordinances. Woe to those who oppose him in them. Close quote, Father McKeeveley. Boy, remember the good old days when they used to write like that? That's good stuff. St. Gregory the Great would say, but perhaps someone may say in himself, I have already believed. I shall be saved. He says what is true. If he, if he keeps his faith by works, for that is a true faith which does not contradict by its deeds what it says in its words. In other words, you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. It's both and, not either or. The Venerable Bede would say, What shall we say here about infants who, by reason of their age, cannot yet believe? For as to older persons, there is no question. In the church, then, our Savior, uh, in the church of our Savior, children believe by others. In other words, their parents. As also they drew from others the sins which are remitted to them in baptism. And in other words, their parents. St. Gregory the Great goes on to say, For Holy Church does, does every day in spirit what then the apostles did in body. For when her priests, by the grace of exorcism, lay their hands on believers and forbid the evil spirits to dwell in their minds, what do they but cast out devils? And the faithful, who have left earthly words and whose tongues sound forth the holy mysteries, speak a new language. They who by their good warnings take away evil from the hearts of others take up serpents, and when they are hearing words of uh, pestilent persuasion without being at all drawn aside to evil doing they drink a deadly thing but it will never hurt them whenever they see their neighbors growing weak in good works and by their good example strengthen their life they lay their hands on the sick that they may recover and all these miracles are greater in proportion as they are spiritual and by them souls and not bodies are raised close quote saint gregory the great i think what's the big big takeaway here today we are to go and evangelize every single human person without exception the church's mandate from our lord and savior himself is to make disciples of the entire world are we doing that are we serious about that if not why not let's think about that today it is the will of God that every human being join his church. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's do penance. But let's evangelize. Let's make it great again. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Some atheistic scientists claim we don't need God to explain the universe because science is sufficient to get the job done. But is this true? The answer is no, and here's the reason. 
Science could never negate the need for God because it can't give an exhaustive explanation of the universe. First, it relies on the inductive method in order to validate its hypotheses. As such, scientists can never be certain they've discovered every piece of data necessary to give a complete explanation. They must always be open to discovering something new that could alter their current theory. Furthermore, science presupposes an existing universe to observe and explain. Thus, it could never explain why the universe exists in the first place rather than not. Science has explanatory power, but not enough power to negate the need for God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, its benefits, and its scary parts. Colonel Matt Dooley is going to be our guest, returning to the program to uh, dive into this. So stick around for that if you can. There are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And there was a breaking story out yesterday. Apparently, there was another, there was a book Benedict XVI wrote. It was apparently a collection of essays over the course of his pontificate. And he asked for the book not to be published until after he passed away, knowing that there was sections in there that would be critical. A lot of Catholic commentators have already dived into it. I don't have a copy of this book. I have not read it. But there are some articles out, and I want to share them with you. Uh, but you can find uh, David O'Gray covered this story. Uh, our friend from uh, uh, Ireland, determined to be Catholic on YouTube, covered this story. Taylor Marshall covered this story. Others covered this story. John Allen covered this story. So a lot of people have talked about it, and I think they even have copies of the book. I don't, and hopefully I'll get a copy at some point. But nonetheless, here is the post-millennial that was going around yesterday. And if Adrian can uh, share my desktop, I'd be grateful Uh, The headline says, Breaking, Secret Pope Benedict, uh, let me start over, Secret Pope Benedict book is published, Blasting Progressive Pope Francis reveals U.S. Catholic seminaries have havens of gay clubs. That's the headline at the post-millennial, which gives you a sense of what you can expect, what's, what's coming. Now, I will say this. Now, I watched several commentaries yesterday and this morning on this, and there's only one section really that has any sort of, uh, you know, more difficult, juicier bits, let's just say, controversial parts. The rest of it seems to be a little bit more banal. But uh, nonetheless, here's the article out of the post-millennial. In a book by the late Pope Benedict XVI, published posthumously, the pontiff wrote that homosexual clubs openly operate in Catholic seminaries, which prepare candidates to become priests. Much of this activity is specifically in the United States, he wrote. Benedict's posthumous writings also heavily criticize current Pope Francis, who Benedict says is pushing a progressive agenda. Benedict, who died on December the 31st at 95 years old, wrote that the church was on the verge of, quote, collapse, close quote, and said that the priests and bishops were being permitted to watch porn at the seminaries. Do you guys remember that story? I remember that story. It was like a year and a half ago or something, I, th- I thought it was, came out that there were some people who were playing, uh, some seminarian directors were playing pornography to, to the seminarians so that they would be exposed to what was bad. That was sort of the idea oh. behind it. 
Yeah, I do remember that like, story. Whew. Trust me, they already knew about this before they showed up. I mean, yeah. pornography is being exposed to children as young as eight and younger. I was eight years old when I discovered porn. It's on Actually, billboards I was now. younger than that, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, so, like, I don't think you need to go to that level to, uh, to demonstrate that. But nonetheless, that was a story not all that long ago. The article goes on to say, as translated from Italian, Benedict's writings state that he no longer wished to publish anything so long as he lived because of the fierce opposition he would face if he made such revelations. Boy, that's my biggest issue with him. I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle with Benedict because of this. You know, there are so many faithful who are suffering right now uh, because of the scandal. How many Catholics have left the faith because of the, uh, the ongoing scandals? And you didn't want to make that public, but you could have. You didn't want to shine the light of Christ into a dark space and watch the cockroaches run because you were afraid. This argument keeps coming back up. What's more scandalous, the scandal, exposing the scandals or dealing with dirty laundry in public? You know, there's an argument to be made, and I'm not pretending that I have the right answer. I'm just saying from my perspective, we're done. We're so done with these with these backroom deals, these things that happen in dark spots, you know, and, uh, and nefarious characters doing nefarious things that are contradictory to the Catholic faith and to Christ himself and to Holy Mother Church and her mission to evangelize the whole world. We're done with this. So if you know something, say something. Got to be done with it. The article goes on to say, much of Benedict's criticism of Francis and the progressive direction in which the Argentine Pope is leading the church has emerged since his death. Quote, for my part in life, I no longer want to pump, I no longer want to publish anything. The fury of the circles against me in Germany is so strong that the appearance of every uh, every every one of my words immediately causes a murderous shouting from them. I want to spare myself and Christendom this. Close quote. He wrote, "You are ninety five. You are facing death no matter what. What could they possibly do to you?" Benedict, you had an opportunity. The article goes on to say, quote, there were individual bishops, close quote, Benedict wrote, and not only in the United States, who rejected the Catholic tradition as a whole, aiming in their diocese to develop a kind of new, modern Catholicity. Perhaps it is worth mentioning the fact that it, in not a few seminaries, students caught reading my books were considered unfit for the priesthood. My books were concealed as harmful literature, and were read only in secret, so to speak, Benedict wrote, according to translations posted by Twitter users. Going on to say, quote, In the context of the meeting of the presidents of the Episcopal Conferences of the whole work with Pope Francis, he wrote, it is, a, it is at heart above all the question of priestly life and also that of seminaries. As regard the problem of preparation for priestly ministry in seminaries, we note, in fact, the vast collapse of the current form of this preparation. The writing also got into detail about the homosexual nature of the seminaries, which he equates to gay clubs. Much of this, he said, is in the United States. Quote, in various seminaries, homosexual clubs were formed, which acted more or less openly and which clearly transformed the atmosphere in the seminaries. In a seminary in southern Germany, candidates for the priesthood and candidates for the lay office of pastoral uh, 
re- uh, ref- referent lived together. They lived together, these two groups. During common meals, he continued, quote, the seminaries, seminarians were together with married pastoral representatives, partly accompanied by their wives and children, and in some cases by their girlfriends. The climate in the seminary could not help priestly formation, he wrote, noting that, quote, a bishop who had previously been rector had allowed seminarians to be shown pornographic films, presumably with the intention of thereby enabling them to resist against behavior contrary to the faith, close quote. Benedict's writings are the latest in a recent string of books released by those in the Vatican who have, uh, who have scolded Francis who they say is undermining the church with his liberal agenda. According to leading Vatican analyst John Allen, the books contribute to impressions of mounting civil war in the church following the death of Benedict XVI, uh, it is reported in the Telegraph. Pope Francis has previously denounced pornography and called it the influence of the devil. In October, he said that nuns and priests regularly watch porn and that it was a danger to the soul. And that is the article out of the Post Milena. You can also find it in the Telegraph. You can also find it in the Catholic Herald. I think John Allen's reported on it, as, as I said before. But I, I keep going back to why do we have to wait until you are dead? Why, why? I don't know. I can't walk a mile in the red shoes. There's clearly no way I can fully understand the pressure, the difficulty of what it means to be the Pope. I mean, I'm a dad. I know what it means to be a dad and the difficulties of that, but I have to imagine it's much more uh, difficult to be the Pope. However, does that excuse you from your sacred responsibility to hold the church together, to speak truth when the world wants to speak error, to, to be brave when the world wants to be cowardice? And I have to say that between retirement and then never saying a word, when you knew facts, it's like, you know, remember when Vigano first came out in the summer of 2018, everybody's like, oh, wow, they were blown away. And then he kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And you're like, what? do you still know stuff? Like, is there still something you're holding back? Because why? What, what, what is that about? Like, if you've got something, say something. Give us everything. Be transparent. Put all cards on the table and stop holding back. Like, if you're still holding on to some nugget of something, why are you doing that? It, 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 I, that only begs the question if you have an agenda, so you're, you're picking and choosing when to release this information. Stop that. Give us everything you know so all of the snakes can be found in the tall grass. Uh, that's my, you know, I don't know. Do you think, what, which is worse, dealing with dirty laundry in public? So is this the scandal of dealing with the scandals or the scandal itself? You know, Joe, I'm thinking about it. I, I think that it's, it's, this is a category all on its own because it's not like, like you said, we already knew all this. This is not new information. We all knew these things were happening in Rome and in seminaries. Like I've been told by many a seminarian that, or a former seminarian that they were not allowed to read Benedict XVI's books back when they were in seminary. I've heard these things. So the most scandalous thing about this is not that this is being revealed, mm. but that, you're, like you said, he's only telling us after he's dead. 
Right. Like he's waiting. Like what did he and have so to lose? It'd be one thing if he was saying, okay, well, you know, I wanted to keep it hidden because I want to keep things close to the chest. I don't want to scandalize a church. But we all knew all this. This is all already out in the open. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so I think it makes this, it's an other element that makes this so much worse. Yeah. The only person that this is damning against mm-hmm. is really Benedict. And it's kind of I sad. Agree. I agree. I mean, what did he have to lose? What were they going to do to him? You're the Pope. They already don't like you. So you're not like going to gain their friendship. So what were they going to do to you? I really hope there's more in this a, book. I have a different take here. I, I think they're, they're looking at it as if we say this out loud, it is going to affect the church, the people coming into the church. They're not going to want to. But I, I disagree with that take. I, I've heard that take from a lot of different people as well. I think these people are already hearing this, especially this article came from Just the News, which is uh, he's a Mormon, isn't he? The the, the guy who uh, oh, I didn't read the Just the News one. I read the Post Millennial. Post Millennial. OK, yeah. well, it, either way, it's coming from secular media. So you can bet you can bet that everybody knows this. And what do they see? Well, they see that the church mm-hmm. isn't really reacting to it. Yeah. They're not doing much to, to, I agree. to, to do anything about it. I think they need to see us lead by example. They need to see us uh, accepting responsibility for the sins that the members of the church have committed mm-hmm. and then dealing with it forthrightly and not not washing this over, not pretending that this is okay and or normal, because it's not, right? Right. Like, we should deal very forthrightly with this sort of injustice and evil instead of trying to do it on the down low, the QT, behind closed doors. Exactly. I mean, Benedict was doing some of that. He was prosecuting bishops and priests for their crimes, but he was doing it quietly. Man. And by the second half of his pontificate, it really started to wane. And now, forget it. It ain't even happening. So if you knew something, you should have said something. Why do we have to wait until you die before you say something? You should have said it before you retired. You should have come out with everything you knew about all these all of these scandals from your uh, your balcony on a Wednesday audience. That would have been your opportunity. And what were they going to do to you? I mean, we all have to give an account. And trust me, it. I shudder to think about what I have to give an account for. How much more the Pope? Let's pray for the Pope. Let's pray for courage and for justice and mercy all at the same time. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, Progress is a useless word. For progress takes for granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is, and then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? My goal is to get to heaven and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? 
original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's a couple more headlines for you. New York Post reports Bill Gates aims to fight climate change by stopping cows from burping. The Microsoft co-founder and billionaire has reportedly backed an Australian-based startup looking to stop cows from burping methane emissions, pouring funds into research around livestock food supplements. According to a press release, Gates' firm Breakthrough Energy Ventures, with participation from Harvest Road Group, raised over $12 million for Ruminate, a climate technology company. Ruminate studies solutions to reducing livestock emissions, and their latest, in, um, their latest uh, initiative identifies anti-methanogenic properties that can be produced efficiently and for low cost to eventually feed livestock. The dietary supplement is synthetically replicated from an active ingredient found in red seaweed called bromoform, which prohibits the creation of methane. And of course, that's going to trickle down to your uh, your beef that you buy into the uh, in the the supermarket. So hopefully, nothing will happen to you by the food that they feed these cows. CatholicVote.org reports a DOJ finally indicts two pro-abortion vandals as Catholic Vote pressures the agency. The Biden Justice Department on Tuesday announced it's indicting two people on federal charges for attacking and threatening pro-life pregnancy centers in Florida. The charges came amid a Catholic vote campaign drawing attention to the DOJ's refusal to investigate and prosecute pro-abortion terrorism. And less than 24 hours after Catholic vote announced plans to mark one, the one-year anniversary on January 28th of the agency's unfulfilled promise in 2022 to take action against criminal attacks on Catholic churches. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Artificial intelligence. Uh, it, there's good. There's maybe some bad. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting emotions that are going on around this. Of course, we all think of uh, Terminator, and uh, and sort of the, the na- more negative connotations with artificial intelligence. But one of the things I was blown away by most recently was the fact that there are services now that you can go and you can pay for that will uh, use AI to duplicate your voice, and pretty convincingly, I would argue. And you can also create uh, avatars of yourself with AI as well. So you do a little bit of training, you, uh, you, help, you help the AI along, and then all of a sudden, now it can totally recreate you. And it can do a bunch of other things, like you know your homework or you know maybe your work it could write code for you write articles it could write scripts for you know youtube videos it can determine the best you know sort of metadata for your youtube content i mean it can do all kinds of crazy things but uh where are the limits because there's a lot of people who are very concerned about the dangers of ai we've brought retired colonel matt dooley onto the program to talk about this good morning to you colonel matt dooley good morning uh, thanks for having me Praise be to God, and a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you. I haven't seen you in a while. Hopefully, yeah, you- Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Uh, welcome to twenty twenty three, and uh, yeah, uh, all the all the advancements that come with uh, with a new year. Yeah, praise be to God. So let's talk about artificial intelligence. Um, let's start with the good parts first. What what do you see are the real advantages of artificial intelligence? 
Yeah, when we talk about artificial intelligence, uh, it's important to understand which type we're talking about. Um, it, it's sort of a sliding scale of capability, uh, and that adds to some of the confusion. Uh, are we talking about AI that's merely data aggregation that's going out there like a search engine and pulling information that, that's doing it more efficiently uh, than you? And it's just pushing uh, that data together and sort of crushing the problem by looking at all sources. Um, certainly, that's the, the, the most practical application of AI uh, in helping people make decisions and analyze problems. And that's very useful. Uh, the, the next step is, is machine learning. Is it looking at information, learning from it, drawing conclusions, and then doing more sophisticated analysis based on what it learns? Uh, again, it's not truly cognizant. It's not thinking, it's not making inferential decisions, it's just gathering information. Um, and that's kind of like the things that you brought up uh, in, in the, the introduction. Uh, it's AI built for certain purposes. AI that listens to you and duplicates your voice because that's what you want to do as the end state of the program. Um, it's not going to go out and uh, pretend to be you now uh, because it's learned all your behaviors and it's going to go open up a bank account and take over your life. Those are Hollywoodisms. <laughs> Uh, but the limits of, of what AI is being used for are, are, are kind of bound for a purpose. Um, chat GPT uh, is something that people are talking about now. Uh, and it's one of those things that can go out and you can type in, you know, write me a paper on the following topics uh, that, that looks in cer certain directions and, uh, and make it 15 pages. And it goes out and it pulls information from the net um, and pulls information that it has access to and kind of puts together this, this paper. Um, but it's kind of fragile when you look at it. If, if you really know the, the, the deeper um, subject matter, uh, you can kind of find holes in its argument um, or it has gaps in its knowledge. It'll make stuff up. And so if you're, you know, if you're a professor and you understand the topic, you can pick out the things that are inaccurate. And then it'll create citations. Uh, when you go click on those citations, it's a blank. It's not, not actually a citation. So there's been some workarounds. Well, let's be honest here. Um, but, you know, you, you brought up uh, Terminator um, and, and Hollywoodisms. I, I think concerns about AI getting out of control um, are, are okay, uh, critical thinking exercises. Uh, but to allow Hollywood to define what AI is going to do and what the immediate consequence is going to be, um, I think is also a little bit, a little bit reckless. Uh, it, it's, it's okay to think about the, the positive things you can do with AI, uh, but it's also important to take a breath recognize that the AI that's out there only does very specific things. Mm -hmm. It's not ready to do true cognizance yet. I was surprised to see how much AI has already become sort of a common, common thing. So many places, like for instance, on my phone, mm -hmm. artificial intelligence is used to determine autofocus on my camera. Uh, it's mm -hmm. used to determine uh, focal length. Uh, so, in other words, if I want the background all blurred, blurred out and I want it to be done really well, it uses, you know, LiDAR and artificial intelligence to make that look really silky smooth. Yeah. Um, artificial intelligence is used in uh, an application I use called DaVinci Resolve to edit videos. It uses AI all the time to do massive calculations on trying to do specific things in video editing. But, like, there's a lot of AI that's out there in our life right now that we probably don't ever think about or don't even realize it's already at work in our everyday. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned uh, the, the camera on your phone. Almost every one of your apps uses a form of AI uh, to, to make its function more efficient. 
to guess what you're going to ask for next to give it to you faster and more refined. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's a tool to help you uh, from, you know, from a military perspective uh, or from a, a stock analytics perspective. You've got to make some very complex decisions as a commander or as a person who's a decision maker in, in a boardroom somewhere. AI is useful. Uh, and helping you make those decisions more efficiently. It's doing the analysis. It's it's gathering the intelligence. It's, it's packaging and trying to tell you what it means uh, to help you make decisions. Uh, when you're taking a photograph, it knows uh, from, you know, the other photographs you've taken, what your preferred distance is, what your preferred filter settings may be. Uh, and it's 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 judged on what it gives you based on uh, a predictive analysis, based on how you've used the phone in the past. Um those are all useful AI functions. It's, it's trying to help you do things. Uh, and so long as you can turn it off uh, and not use it um, because you want to do something more uh, uh, more specific to what you want to do, I don't have a problem with it. So long as I have control, as long as I, I can set the constraints, I'm okay. Uh, my only concerns with AI are, are when they're used for, for uh, evil or illegal purposes uh, and when you can't turn it off. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of examples if you can't turn it off. For instance, how AI was used in algorithms on social platforms like YouTube or Twitter or Facebook that identify key people, key words, key phrases, key conversations that they don't want to allow. And it's the AI that censors those. Uh, It's not even a human person at that point doing all of that censoring. So that's part of the, part of the real concern. One of the real downsides here is it's it can be useful, but it's clearly being used for what I would personally consider a nefarious reason in censoring speech and censoring thought and conversation in the social space. Yeah, I think you know when we talk about AI, the problem is not necessarily AI. The problem is us. Who who watches the watchers? Um, who are the ones who got to establish the cognitive bias and the selection for who got censored and who didn't? Um, there, there's still a human being uh, at the end of that leash. Um, and those people need to be held accountable. Uh, in the end, if your technological invention, whether it's AI or something else, breaks the law um, or is used you know, by a government to co-opt to suppress free speech, there's someone who did something wrong. Uh, and it's not the, the machine algorithms. It's the person who set the parameters for the machine algorithms to do that to people. Uh, And so when we talk about accountability, part of the AI discussion is not only what AI can or can't do, it's also who do we hold accountable uh, when when it does something we don't want it to do. Mm. And uh, I think that's that's a a topical conversation right now. Uh, We've got to get those rules staked in uh, before it becomes more capable. We're about a minute from break right now. Um, Who are the biggest players in AI? Is it Google? Uh, You've got a lot of folks out there who are working on it. Um, Last week, there was uh, an AI fusion conference uh, at Carnegie Mellon University, uh, where in the room, um, you had folks in defense, uh, folks from academia, uh, and folks from industry who are all interested. Um, There are folks who do end-to-end AI like Google, lots of different purposes. Uh, there are uh, industries out there that are just doing very discrete applications for AI. So it's it's hard for me to tell you who's in the lead um, um, without specifically asking uh, what's your purpose. Stiff competition, uh, I imagine. Uh, everybody's racing to uh, to leverage it for their ends. Hey, don't go anywhere. We're at a break. Retired Colonel Matt Dooley is our guest. We're going to talk about, uh, I want to talk about Boston Dynamics and their robots and how they implement AI because that's a pretty uh, interesting angle. All of that and more coming up next. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and powerful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Retired Army Colonel Matt Dooley is our guest, talking about artificial intelligence and this technology, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. And in some ways, I see parallels in conversating about this to gun control. You know, we were talking about uh, gun control lobby yesterday, in fact, with our friend Braden Langley. And, um, you know, it's not the tool in the hand, it's the intent of the heart that I think could really make a big difference. And I would say there's similarities here, too. The tool can be very helpful, but if the intent behind it to use that tool in a nefarious way, I mean, then now we're talking about evangelization of peoples, not necessarily the tools that are at stake here. Welcome back to the program, Colonel Matt Dooley. I want to bring up uh, Boston Dynamics Robotics Lab. Last year, they had these things doing dancing, parkour, I mean, pretty insane things. This year, they put out a video just recently, within, I think, the last 10 days, 12 days, something like that. Their robots now uh, have the ability to analyze what's in the space. So they're probably using LiDAR technology or whatever. And they can see objects. They can determine. They can look at the object and go, okay, I, this looks like it weighs about so much I can probably pick it up from here. I can, you know, I'm going to balance my my weight this way. And it can find these objects, pick them up, move around with them. It can get very, to use the pun, dynamic in this space. And they have to be using artificial intelligence in all of this. Is there anything we should be worried about with these guys? Because they look pretty darn <laughs> nefarious when you watch these videos. Well, yeah, the good thing about Boston Dynamics uh, is that, you know, they're they're looking at, their developments uh, and their use of autonomy uh, for pe- peaceful purposes. Um, you're not apt to find a Boston Dynamics robot holding a weapon. <laughs> Praise you know, all gosh. YouTube videos and, and <laughs> goofy stuff that's out there that, that's fake, uh, notwithstanding. Boston Dynamics uh, does a lot of really interesting, cool stuff uh, with robotic mobility. Um, there are some limitations when we talk about um, how the robot is is interacting in its, in its world. Um, r- those issues related to power. Uh, how long can this robot do it? Um, you know, can this do it for for years? 
uh, or do we only only have you know so many minutes or hours uh, of robotic power? Because it, it takes uh, it takes some energy to move a 900 pound robot. Uh, those Atlas robots aren't, aren't exactly light. Um, <laughs> so there's a question of endurance. Um, there's also a question of, of capability and, and grasping and strength, um, and, and does it understand its environment? So you're starting to see uh, progressive developments uh, in the capabilities of those robots to interact with their environment. Uh, as to use your word dynamically, uh, as is, uh, manned un, un, unmanned teaming tools. Uh, one of the most recent videos I saw was now it has the, the ability with articulated fingers, uh, artic- articulated hands to pick up a toolbox and hand it to me because I'm, I'm up on a scaffold somewhere and I don't want to get down and get it. Plus it may be awkward and heavy for me to carry it. So if the robot's a little stronger than me, maybe it's a, it's a good tool to, to help me lift the heavier things. Um, the, other Boston Dynamics robots that everyone's seen out there are these uh, quadruped, uh, would look like uh, headless cows that move around. And that was from a, uh, a military DARPA project originally uh, as, a, as a load carrier. If you think of a, of a squad that's moving around, uh, nine soldiers carrying 1,500 pounds, uh, after a day of that, you're pretty tired. But if I can offload those things and put it on the back of a robot that's going to walk next to me, then I can go further. Uh, longer distances, and when I get to that ultimate destination, uh, I'm still physically fresh and capable of doing some other task. You can imagine, you know, working in a welding yard where I've got to carry heavy equipment and, and doing ship welding, how holding that at, at, at a weird angle above my head would cause, you know, repetitive stress injuries. Well, if I can have a robot do that with me alongside or carry the heavy stuff, that makes a lot of sense. So you're seeing Boston Dynamics applications uh, for, for, uh, small robot or humanoid robot autonomy uh, in, in those kinds of roles. And I think that's, that's pretty useful. You know, I was, I want to move, talk about um, AI inside of um, vehicles, but you brought up an interesting point that I want to explore first. And that's the question of batteries. I remember about four years ago, I was watching this video that was talking about how battery technology has not really advanced um, and, and the same speed in which everything else has. And we've kind of stagnated. And then two years after that, there was the great Tesla un- unveiling of their new battery technology. But it seems as though there really hasn't been. I, so in terms of powering all these things, you mentioned that that's a huge concern in the AI sphere and in these robots and things like that. So do you know where we are in status wise with batteries and the effects that has on everything else? Yeah, it continues to be a, a challenge that, that lags behind. You're, you're limited by physics, um, and you know lithium polymer can only do so much. Um, and so, other other unique solutions um, are things that the industry is is looking for. You know, whether it's hybrid power, a mix of, of battery and, and fossil fuel, or uh, hydrogen energy. Um, you know, Hollywood does the the magic wave uh, and creates this Tony Stark uh, Tony Stark uh, arc reactor uh, because that gets around uh, the 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 real important science question about how you would would you power an iron man suit mm. uh, no one has that miniature little arc reactor yet uh, at least in a size that uh, that you could put on a robot yeah and then so moving to the to a tesla and others like them that are trying to compete with tesla and the the question is people always ask well and when you're investing in tesla when you're talking about tesla you are you investing in a car company or are you investing in an ai company because there are many people who are predicting that we won't drive very soon because people will just have AI cars coming to pick everyone up to be a world of taxis kind of thing. I'm thinking like iRobot where the, you're not even allowed to drive um, except in an emergency situation. So what's the deal uh, with that? 
well, you're talking about autonomy uh, in in application for driving vehicles, um, and you've got some of it on your car already. Active lane safety, uh, some of the things that augment your ability to keep the car in the lane, um, and then you've got more advanced applications that you see in Tesla. Uh, the the question is, when you're you're writing that those autonomous lines of code um, are a very discrete, specific. Uh, situations. You, you've got to train the AI, train the autonomy uh, to anticipate different traffic scenarios. And, and the more complicated, the faster the traffic moving, the harder the problem. Um, so there's work you're seeing on the commercial side to do that for cars um, and private ownership. Uh, there's work on uh, trucks uh, for uh, line haul, uh, for middle mile, uh, for yard truck applications and, and you know, for example, automating an, a, an Amazon warehouse yard with trucks moving around, uh, automation of trucks for uh, the dull, dirty, and dangerous tasks of you know, working in uh, moving sand for, for fracking application. There's a lot going on right now, uh, and those algorithms are being used and folded over and used in other applications and, and working together to create capability. Mm. Uh, so there's advancement, I can tell you. There's progress being made, and it's significant. Uh, is it perfect? No. Are, are we still uh, needing to create par- parallel laws of governance uh, to hold people accountable when things go wrong? Absolutely. It's a very dynamic environment, but I, I think a, a future with uh, autonomous augmentation for our cars is, a, is a, 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 an achievable reality. Let's go back to talking about the military for a second. Now, recently I watched that documentary film Top Gun 2. I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, <laughs> it's there, a documentary. Yeah. There's it's that uh, precise, precise. I love that film, actually. But nonetheless, uh, there was it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It is it. a great movie. There's a scene in there where right after he flies, uh, you know, a Mach 10 and uh, survives the the bailout. Uh, he, the, the admiral there is uh, is questioning, you know, Maverick about what, why he's never become an admiral, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you know, uh, you guys are you guys are going away because everything is going to be automated. It's all going to be robots. Well, we already have automated aircraft in the military. But I guess my big question is, but this this is using this must be using AI and robotic technology. But aren't these weapon systems as well? We talk about aircraft uh, as weapon systems, automated aircraft. Um, most of what you see for AI application and autonomy uh, is for remotely piloted vehicles to operate a distance, and they're not doing they're not doing combat maneuver uh, against a, a a manned aircraft opponent uh, yet. There have been some experimentation with it, but but no operational employment. There is intent though to have um, autonomous wingmen, and they they have experimented with that, uh, but there's no fielded uh, independent autonomous fighter aircraft out there yet. There are autonomous applications, and we talk about a predator that may, you know, take off and land autonomously, or may fly a a, a pattern over a target autonomously. But there's still a weapons payload specialist, a human being who's doing the targeting and the shooting. Uh, and there's still someone accountable who can who can take over and fly the aircraft that needs to be manually redirected. Uh, so there's kind of depending on the question you ask, mm-hmm. um, there's a degree of, of more autonomy or not. Uh, is there an, an intent uh, to eventually have um, an autonomous fighter plane that can do more things because it doesn't have a human being or what we jokingly call a meat servo sitting in a <laughs> cockpit? Um, yeah, there is intent to be able to do that because it can do more. Uh, there, there aren't the kinds of stresses and strains you have to worry about a pilot passing out. Uh, but are, are we there that and, and ready to field it? No. Are we experimenting towards that? Absolutely. 
Okay, so are you saying then that the future means that the weapon systems will be automated, but there will still be a human at the controls somewhere at a command center at all times? Yeah, that's, that's by policy. DOD 3000.09 is the policy you can look up. Uh, that the release authority for autonomous lethality is a Secretary of Defense uh, decision. That, that someone, there's a human being that either has to be in the loop or on the loop. Um, because you know we we can't we can't just turn these things loose. Uh, and that's and that's you know, U.S. Department of Defense policy. So uh, coming down to the wire here on this interview, just about a minute and a half left with Matt Dooley. What do you think is the scariest part of artificial intelligence? The one that we should be most concerned about? I'm I'm worried about people who don't have uh, any degree of moral restraint. Um, that are our peer competitors out there who aren't governed by um, our degree of reason. Uh, who may be more inclined uh, to create an AI that's capable of doing something and then just turning it loose and not thinking about the consequences because they believe there's some sort of competitive advantage uh, against us. Um, I'm concerned about the, the need to to come up with countermeasures for things for those who don't have scruples. Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm hoping that uh, chat uh, GPT or whatever the thing is called doesn't figure out how to hack our uh, our most sensitive systems uh, for like some 10-year-old in Wisconsin or something. Like that would be <laughs> less than good. It's like the movie. Types in how to hack the Pentagon. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Like uh, what was that other documentary film from the 80s? War, War Games? Was, yeah. War, War Games. Games. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want that out anymore. But uh, Matt Dooley, God bless you. God love you. We appreciate your insight on this. Thank you so much. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Praise be to God. We're coming down to the wire now on this first hour of Catholic Drive Time. We appreciate having you on. If you can join us in the second hour, I want to catch up on uh, the Mark Houck case. His trial started yesterday. He is facing a FACE Act violation. But you also may not have heard about a priest who was convicted of the FACE Act. I mean, guilty. The judge pronounced it guilty. He may go to prison. Uh, we're going to talk about that case at the top of the next hour. Plus, we have our game show where we give out prizes. We have our after show where we conversate directly with you about whatever you want. You can do that on one of our live video feeds. Wherever you are, Facebook, YouTube, or whatever, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can find all the links there. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God love you. And if we don't see you in the next hour, we'll see you tomorrow. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? 
If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Wenzel Pavlovsky from St. Paul the Apostle Catholic Church in Nassau Bay. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Being posted to our Telegram group right now. Good morning to you, Tammy. (laughs) Good morning to you, Luz. Good morning to you, Clarissa. Praise be to God. Damon, good morning to you. Good to see you here. Mike K., good morning. Josh Patterson, good morning to you. Glad to see you're chatting up this morning. Really appreciate having you guys on board. Monica, good morning to you. If you'd like access to the CDT Insider Telegram group, what you need to do is be on the email list, okay? That's that's my pro-level tip. It's free of charge. You're welcome. All you got to do, Nick the Mike, good morning to you. All you got to do is go and join the CDT Insider email list, which you can do at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can uh, find the link there that says uh, Fear or Insider, uh, inside, yeah, CDT Insider link, and you click that. It takes about a minute, two minutes. We're going to send you a talk by Father B- Bill Casey. We should we should come up with this. should give him a new talk. That talk's been around for two years. It's still very <laughs> good, though. If you've never heard it, it's powerful. Father Bill Casey's a powerful preacher, so uh, it is still a great talk. But I think, Adrian, we ought to update that. But nonetheless, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And join that email list today, so praise be to God for that. Hey, by the way, while you're on the website, make sure to stop by and get your car raffle tickets. You can do that at grnonline.com forward slash raffle. $25 a piece. You can get five for 100 bucks. That's an extra one for free. And it only takes a moment. Secure. It just It's super easy, super fast, and you might win a brand-new Mercedes as a result, and all proceeds go to support the Guadalupe Radio Network. But uh, I do encourage you to contact your local GM and talk to them in person. It's a great way to get to know them a little bit, become uh, friends, and uh, and support the local GRN radio station. So call your local general manager today. You can find the, their contact information on the website, grnonline.com, or you can go to your mobile app, your Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app. Just search for it in your iOS or Android app store. Download it. It's free. You can listen to your local station, get your contact information, programming, programming information, as well as the podcasts that are available from the GRN. Search for that in your Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app as well. Praise be to God. Uh, so which, uh, what side of the equation are you on, Rudy, when it comes to AI? Is it good? Is it bad? What say you? Well, look, uh, I, I think uh, 
I think we we discussed it on the show. There's mm-hmm. obviously some risks here, and I, I appreciate the the pointing out of the obvious risk. The, there needs to be account, accountability for the people who are actually employing this technology. But I, I'm a little bit optimistic about it. You mm-hmm. know, um, I want to say almost uh, what was it? T- 2019. I worked for a school district uh, as an assistive technology specialist. Mm-hmm. And basically what I would do is I would go in uh, with uh, with uh, different technologies that would help these kids to access their um, their curriculum. Okay. Uh, these kids had special learning disabilities. Uh, some of them had physical disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so I look at this uh, technology, uh, you know, I look at it as a, a companion to us. You know, we, we can use it for good. We can find good applications for it. And I think that uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the mm-hmm. if we look at it in a creative way, we could bring about mm-hmm. a little bit more access to people. Uh huh. I see. So you disagree? I, I feel like there should be some clear rules before someone is allowed to leverage AI oh, yeah. technology in any way. Like step one, you are not allowed to own private islands. Okay, with <laughs> with secret submarine bases embedded in them. You're not allowed to have hairless cats. Sharks, all. no shark hairless tanks. cats, no shark um, tanks, no uh, no giant uh, no giant men who you can't who, own a jet who you send out as henchmen with like uh, gold teeth or whatever, like uh, you know no no Mm-mm. you not, can't have a moon base. No I mean, if you bases, could even have one, because zero moon bases <laughs> anyway, don't involved. Let, don't yeah. let me get into the moon here. No but, system of satellites that orbit the Earth that could destroy cities. Like you're not allowed to own these things, operate them, or be associated with others that do. It should read the fine print. You should read the the terms and agreements. You know what I'm more you know what worried I'm about, though, mm-hmm. is the fact that they are creating synthetic supplements for cows yeah. to stop <laughs> them from burping methane. Right, yeah. So mm-hmm. yesterday in the after show, we talked about uh, how certain people were feeding their chickens a certain and thing. The and the chickens stopped laying eggs. Yikes. What is it going to happen? What's going to happen yeah. when our beef supply is tainted with this? Uh, this uh, the supplement here what, yeah. to stop mm. the methane. I see. I, That's okay. what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about the, the AI. You're not. No, you can not just. Can't you just pull the plug? Can you just like pull the plug on the internet? So wait for the battery to run out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can mm. wait for the battery to run out. I see. You could shoot the battery. I see. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Uh, Hydra. I, I remember Hydra. I, I, I do remember. Was Hydra was a. Uh, you know, back in the yeah. day in the movies, you mm-hmm. could shoot the gas tank and it would explode the car. Uh, can yeah. you do that with the battery? I, maybe with or, a robot battery. I think if you just pour salt water on a Tesla battery, it explodes. That's true. In a fiery flame. That's true. But nonetheless, I saw that on a YouTube video one time. <laughs> and I, you know, I think. What, one thing that Colonel Dooley brought up is really important, and I wish we could have uh, done done talked about that more. Was the fact that we should uh, the, the the fear is the people that are working on this, because if we had in the in the past when we had uh, Catholics creating technology, like mm-hmm. um, we had the the father of modern genetics was a was a Catholic priest. The person who invented the telescope was was a Catholic. The people who were doing astronomy were all faithful Catholics. Um, but now these people are secularists. They have no morals. At least a lot of them don't. And so whenever they're doing research and cloning, is cloning necessarily evil? Not necessarily. You could uh, clone things that are not immoral, but these people, are they going to stop at that? Are, are they going to start cloning mm. humans and harvesting their organs, which they probably are well, already doing in China? Yeah. And Welcome the same thing it. with AI. It, could AI just be augmentation and help us with our tasks? Sure, that would be great. It's doing that right now. Exactly. But 
the fear is that the people who are working on this are not because the potential is real Mm -hmm. right so in other words if we evangelize the whole world and make disciples of people we won't have to worry about what they do with things like ai technology boom shakalaka that's a great idea joe we should make Mm -hmm. an ai chatbot Mm -hmm. that is an evangelist then we don't have to do anything. I tried to get the AI chatbot to, to, to uh, write me a paragraph on why the Catholic Church is the true church, but I couldn't get the thing to work. Dang it. I know. I, would, I was going to read that. It was going to be fun, but it hey, didn't work. If there's a Catholic uh, yeah. scientist out there, mm-hmm. can you make apologetics bot? Yeah. That would be good. All right. Coming up at 15 past the hour, we're going to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. I'm going to give you the phone number. First caller gets to play that game. So uh, be ready. Be on standby to dial the phone number to play the game. It's fun. You laugh. You learn. You might win. It's a good time. Do be ready to call that number when I give it to you. But there uh, is a couple of stories I want to update you on. Number one is Mark Houck, you might remember, friend of the show. Uh, my longtime friend, but also a co-host of A Life Lived Joyfully at 3 o'clock central across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Every Tuesday, in fact, he hosts that program. Well, his trial has begun. He's facing a FACE Act violation at an abortion mill from last year, and his trial has begun. So do keep him in your prayers. Uh, there is a, a good reason to believe. We have reasonable hope that uh, his case will come out in his favor, but Please do pray for that. But there was another story that you might not have heard about. A priest was actually found guilty of the FACE Act. Uh, The CNA headline says, Priest found guilty of blocking entrance to abortion clinic. Faces prison time. A Catholic priest who blocked access to a Planned Parenthood abortion clinic could face up to one year in prison after being found guilty on Monday of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, also known as the, the FACE Act. On the morning of July 7th, 2022, that was my birthday. So this was this a birthday present to me, Father? Man, you're amazing. Praise be to God. On July 7th, Father Fidelius uh, Moshinsky, 52 years old, a priest of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, effectively shut down the Planned Parenthood of Greater New York a Clinic in Hempstead for about two hours, according to the DOJ. He placed locks and chains on the gated entrance and covered some of them with glue which prevented anyone from getting through the gate. After the fire department and the police department eventually cut through the locks, Father laid down in front of the entrance to prevent cars from going through the gate, a press release from the U.S. Attorney's Office said. On Monday, the court delivered a guilty verdict from the bench. Post-conviction motions must be filed by February the 7th, and the sentencing is scheduled for 2 p.m. on April the 24th. Quote, the defendant attempted to prevent women from accessing their legal right to vital reproductive and pregnancy services, close quote. Don't you like that language? Their vital reproductive and pregnancy services. In other words, they were, he prevented them from trying to murder their children because um, they don't know what they're doing, obviously. United States Attorney uh, Brian Peace said in a statement September the 29th after the father was charged, quote, this office will enforce federal law to protect clinics and staff that provide reproductive health services while safeguarding the rights of their patients. I commend the local police, the firefighters, bystanders who came to the health center's aid to ensure that it could continue serving the community. Exactly how does this qualify as a health center? That was the first question in my mind. When you are simply taking the life of a child, how is that health? Again, the health of the child is clearly at stake. The health of the child is, is being ripped away, taken away. The health of the child ceases to exist. So how is the clinic itself 
itself health center. Hmm. The other question in my mind is, uh, are you also enforcing federal law when it comes to uh, people attacking pro-life pregnancy centers? I'm just curious, because so far we've only heard of uh, two people in the entire nation being charged for those uh, violations. Nonetheless, the article goes on. In an interview with EWTN on July 16th, Father acknowledged that he blocked access to the clinic so he could talk to the mothers who were coming in that morning. Quote, imagine if you were one of those children scheduled to be executed that day, close quote, Father said. Would you not want every possible effort to be made to save your life? Let that sink in for a second. Imagine if you were one of these babies who was about to be murdered. Would you not wonder why someone didn't try to save your life? Yeah, powerful question, Father. He goes on to say, and saying that something is a step too far is simply saying, well, some lives are less valuable than others. We could sacrifice only up to a point, and then we'll let others die, close quote, Father said. The sentencing will be before a magistrate, Judge Stephen uh, Tisconi. Some members of the pro-life community uh, commended Father for his actions at the abortion clinic and criticized those who would put him behind bars. Okay, so what I find fascinating about this is this priest sees the all-in angle here. He basically realizes that there is something we could do to prevent these babies to hopefully save their babies now i don't know it's impossible for me to know whether or not the children he affected that day did they simply reschedule did they simply wait and as soon as he was hauled off to jail they went on with their life and they went on with their abortion i don't know the article doesn't really tell me i have to assume they probably did but maybe just maybe he planted a seed in the heart of this mom to say wow This is so important. This means so much that this priest would lock the door, that he would lay down in front, that he would put himself in a position to even go to prison uh, for up to a year. It looks like he could go to prison for this. He's willing to go to jail in order to save a life. I have to believe that's that's going to cause cognitive dissonance in the heart and the mind of the women who saw that that day. And uh, I think of my own life, having been post-abortive and having been to an abortion mill. There's something we can all do. Some of us are willing to go all the way. Some of us are willing to risk everything. Maybe it's easier for a priest who's not married and has no children. But nonetheless, there is a witness that still needs to be had in front of abortion mills. And how many of us are doing it? But how many of us are too intimidated because people like Mark Houck have been arrested, their homes raided, and hauled off to court? Let's pray for a successful outcome in Mark's case so that more people will be brave and courageous and try to plant those seeds in the hearts and minds of those mothers. All right. It's time for a little fun. It's time for a good time to learn something. It's time to play our game. You could win. It's possible. You need to call to make that possible at 877-757-9424. That phone number is open to you right now at 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game. Phone lines are open. Rudy's standing by to take your call. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. 
Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you, and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. Stop it. I can see you're tweeting right now. Don't do it. Don't tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. You got that? All right. Both hands on the wheel. Focus. Number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you didn't know before. Praise be to God. That's always a good time. And then we like to laugh. We like to have a chuckle, a good time. And our callers are actually amazing. Just look it up. It's on Wikipedia. Then we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody because we are absolutely, I mean, we are incentivizing you to either learn, laugh, or win. And somebody this week's going to do all three, praise be to God. But the kicker is, the secret sauce this is the real thing right here. Okay. This is like, I'm not saying it's Q stuff, but it's, it's deep. Uh, we don't ask the caller the questions. What? Yeah. They don't need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, but they could still win. And the way is, uh, see, instead of asking them, I'm going to ask Rudy and I'm going to ask Adrian, one of which will have a correct answer. The other will have an incorrect answer. The caller will then just have 15 seconds. They're going to have to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? But if they get that right, 
Well, then they go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is my good friend Trisha over at Heavenly Creations on Etsy. She's an expert crochet artist who makes wonderful saint dolls, among other items. Uh, now, currently on her shop, I'm going to just take a peruse here. She's got all kinds of different saints here, from Ooh. Our Lady to St. Mm-hmm. Jude, St. Michael the Archangel. There's all kinds of St. Joan of Arc. There's all kinds of uh, dolls here that uh, are make a great gift. Please make sure to check out her Etsy page. And make sure to sign up for our email list, uh, where later this week we're going to be giving out some more goodies from Heavenly Creations. The winner this week is going to receive a, one of the Saints dolls. Now, if you want to check them out yourself, go to Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Heavenly Creations zero one. That helps her differentiate herself from other Heavenly Creations. But uh, do check out that email list because we're going to be sending out something that I think you're going to want to wait for. All right. Praise be to God. Making gifts great again. Thank you, Heavenly Creations, for your generous uh, opportunity Amen. to give prizes to our audience. Let's go to the phones. Karen, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Joe. Praise be to God, Karen. How are you? I'm, I'm good. It's my birthday today. What? Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, that's amazing. That is what, 2022? What are we? I mean, you don't have to tell me, but uh, whew, one uh, none? No, it's. It's twice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where are you calling from, Karen? It's uh, from Montreal, Quebec. What? That's a first, right? Yeah. I don't know that we've yeah. ever had a Montreal caller before. Praise be to God. Well, How Karen, cold is it over there? Yeah, like what are we talking, like 18 below or what? what what's, what's, uh, what's it like? I think it's like minus minus two or minus oh is yeah. that all do That's, you have a pet moose yeah. hmm yeah we, <laughs> know. can we do can we debunk all canadian myths with you karen <laughs> like uh, what does one do on their birthday in montreal do you go ice fishing uh moose wrangling like what is what do you do up there for your birthday um because i'm just staying home today because yeah my husband is working so, I see. so you're gonna wait till he gets yeah. back and then you're gonna go yeah. ice fishing Got it. Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Praise be to God. Well, Karen, happy birthday to you. Thank you for Thank you. Uh, being generous and being on our show today. Uh, do you understand yes. how this game works? Do you know the rules? Yes. Praise I'm God. always uh, listening to you. Well, good. Yeah. Thank you for doing that, by the way. All right, so um, we're going to start with Rudy Carlos, which is our church-approved tradition. Uh, I, I'm sure, pretty sure Benedict wrote about it in his last book. Mm-hmm. He did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, it, that Rudy is the only acceptable tradition that we can <laughs> maintain. He, he talked about the relationship between the tie that I wear he and whether did. or not I was going to bring that wrong. up. Yeah, but it hasn't been show. translated. So, yeah, but by know. the way, Rudy is not wearing a tie today. Uh, he is wearing oh, a sweater. And it is Houston, which means it's 98 degrees outside. He's still wearing a sweater, so very <laughs> shady, very skeptical on that one. But, Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you sure? Yes. Uh, let's start with a difficult question. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Who are the three authors of the Synoptic Gospels? <gasps> Synoptic? Uh, well, hmm. Remember okay. Da Vinci Code, the movies? Uh, hmm. Uh, well, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Okay. I think that's it. Uh-huh. Not John. You're going to go with Matthew, Mark, Mark and, Luke. and Luke. That's your answer. But not John. You're sure. Yeah, 100%. Oh. 
Okay, uh, Adrian, uh, you went to a Catholic university, so I'm sure you walked past a Bible in a glass case somewhere. It's uh, true, that happened a couple times. Could you help me out? <laughs> Who are the three authors of the Synoptic Gospels? Yes, yes. That's a very easy question, really. I mean, every, mm-hmm. anyone I see who uh, has even uh-huh. even heard of a Bible oh. should know uh, yeah. that it's okay. Mo, Larry, and Curly. What? Yeah. Those are oh, uh, those are like the shortened right. names, like uh, the casual yeah, from the original I mean, it's, Hebrew? No, no. It's the, you uh, have to go back to the Aramaic. Oh, man. That's the problem. Gotcha. You go back to the Aramaic, you got translate it, it over, mm-hmm. and you it's get Mo, Larry, and Curly. Mo, Larry, and Curly. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. All right, Karen in Montreal, mm-hmm. you got options here. The three synoptic gospel authors. <laughs> Adrian, who does have a university degree from a Catholic place, uh, says it's Mo, Larry, and Curly. Whereas Rudy, who's wearing a sweater in Texas, says it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, those are your options. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Karen, what say you? It's Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised okay. Adrian you knows so who Mo, wise. Larry, and Curly are. Who Who is Mo, Larry, and Curly? I just made that up. <laughs> he just made that I up. I just, just made up those names. Okay. Is that mm-hmm. is that a reference or something? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. What? I used to love watching uh, the Three Stooges. Oh, the Three Stooges. Three Stooges. Isn't Karen, from the 1920s? Karen, do you know who the Three Stooges are? I think when I was... Elementary, I I watched it before. Yeah, we caught them. Karen and I are of similar vintage. We caught the we caught the reruns anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise be to God. All right, Matthew, Mark, and Luke is the correct answer. Well, welcome to the show. Praise God. All right, let's see if we can get you in there for a second opportunity. We're going to go to Adrian first on this one. Now, Adrian, yes, could you help me out with this? Uh, no. Uh, well, good to know. The Pope, the Pope is considered infallible in what instances? Oh, that's what you wanted to help with. Yes, please. Okay, well, yeah, I can help you with that. Oh, good. So it's when he speaks as the head of the church mm-hmm. on matters of faith and morals. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it? Yep, that's all it's it takes. the only circumstances? That's all he needs. Surely there's more. Is all he needs to be the, speaking as the head of the church. Okay. And on matters of faith and morals. Faith and morals. Yep. Okay. All right. Mm, I'll see. Uh, like going five miles over the speed limit, you mean? Um, did Pope Francis or any Pope um, talk about going over the speed limit? Hey, he said, who am I to judge? That's all um, five miles? Okay. sure. All right, go Rudy. At least ten. Rudy, uh, maybe you can help out. <laughs> the Pope is considered infallible in what circumstances? Infallible. <laughs> Right, of course, when he's wearing the red papal shoes. Really? But especially when he's on planes, though. What? Yeah, he can't trip, he can't fall or anything. Are you saying there's emphasis on a plane? Yes. That is amazing. All right. Uh, Karen, um, you got options. When is the Pope considered to be infallible? Uh, is it when he is wearing his papal red shoes, especially while riding on the papal plane? Or, that's what Rudy said. Adrian said, however, it's when he speaks as head of the church on a, on the matters of faith and morals. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Karen, what say you? It's Adrian. 
you are oddly, you are genius. Some would say you are dangerously close there, Karen, Tactician. to admitting Adrian was correct. Hey, don't the, worry, Karen. Everybody knows very when scary. you go with Adrian, you become younger, faster, stronger, mm. more attractive. Uh, Your hair goes back to its original shine. Oh wait, does all it? those things happen? Oh, you got to trust the science. Does, does hair actually grow back in? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, well, then of Adrian's course. correct. There you go. Praise be to God. There you go. Bring on that. I hair. can already see the hair growing back on, on oh, Joe's head. That's amazing. <laughs> you are, in fact, correct. Uh, when he speaks uh, as head of the church on matters of faith and morals, now they say ex cathedra, but does he? He doesn't physically have to be sitting in his nah. chair, nope. unfortunately, because that would be uber chat if he did. <laughs> he has uh, to bring it down because it's yeah. all hanging up. In the yeah, that's what <laughs> brings just, it down, sits on I'm it, saying or it needs cool. a carries him up. All yeah. right, let's just see if we can't get you in there for a third time. Back to Rudy. Rudy, what is the name of the crown made by shaving the upper part of the head? Now, this is usually religious gentlemen who get this. Now, what is that called? Well, you go to the barber shop and you say, "Give me a high and tight," and oh, then they know what it. I know, they know what exactly it what that means. Yep. I see a high and tight. They're like, "Oh, yeah. yes, brother, of course." Yes, okay, right away. No, we're not talking corporal cuts here. We're talking high and tight. Yeah, go, got it, got it. Go All to right. your local smart cuts. Adrian, could you help me out? What yes. is the name of the crown made by shaving the upper part mm-hmm. of the head? What do we call that? Well, as uh, someone who identifies as a PhD mm-hmm. in hair cutology, mm-hmm. um, that's a technical term, by the way. I see. Yes, uh, that would be a tonsure. 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 Okay, all right, Karen. Uh, what say you? Is this specific haircut on the crown of the head, uh, is that called a tonsure, as Adrian wants you to believe? Or is that a high and tight, as Rudy seems to suggest? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Karen in Montreal, what say you? Um, I'm not sure, but. Adrian? <laughs> <laughs> well said. That's the way you ought to admit he's right. Like, ah, uh, Adrian? The, like, it's painful. Oh, ye of little faith, Like, you're Karen. passing a oh, kidney stone faith. or something, right, Karen? Like, Adrian, oh, I guess he's right. In fact, he is. Tonsure is the correct answer. Well played. Oh, okay. Karen, I need you to take a picture of you riding a uh, moose today and send that off to us. <laughs> we want to post that oh, no. on our social feeds. But, Karen, you are fun. God bless you happy birthday to you and uh, god bless you thanks for playing our game don't go anywhere i'm gonna put you on hold that's gonna do it for the radio side of our show that was fun join us in the after show let's talk direct grnonline.com forward slash cdt thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today share jesus with everyone you meet bye now and god love you Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi. For more information, visit Our Lady of Corpus Christi.org or salt.net. Today we, are, we celebrate the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. 
we offer this holy sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to Our Lady or to Guadalupe Radio Network. To Jesus Christ, our Sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, Victor, Christ Jesus, Ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord, and Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who taught the whole world through the preaching of the blessed Apostle Paul, draw us, we pray, nearer to you, through the example of him whose conversion we celebrate today, and so make us witnesses to your truth in the world. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Saul, still breathing murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, that if he should find any man or woman who belonged to the way, he might bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. On his journey as he was nearing Damascus, a light from the sky suddenly flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Who are you, sir? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, for they heard the voice but could see no one. Saul got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was unable to see, and he neither ate nor drank. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and ask at the house of Judas for a man named Tarsus, named Saul. He is there praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, that he may regain his sight. But Ananias replied, Lord, I have heard from many sources about this man, what evil things he has done to your holy ones in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to imprison all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel, and I will show him what he will have to suffer for my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Saul, my brother, the Lord has sent me, Jesus, who appeared to you on the way by which you came, that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, things like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. He got up and was baptized, and when he had eaten, he recovered his strength. He stayed some days with the disciples in Damascus, and he began at once to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, Is not this the man who in Jerusalem ravaged those who call upon this name and came here expressly to take them back in chains to the chief priests? But Saul grew all the stronger and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that this is the Christ. The word of the Lord. Go out to all the world and tell the good news. Go out to all the world and tell the good news. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Glorify him, all you peoples. Go out to all the world and tell the good news. For steadfast is his kindness toward us, and the fidelity of the Lord endures forever. Go out to all the world and tell the good news. Alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. I chose you from the world to go and bear fruit that will last, says the Lord. Alleluia. 
Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The Gospel of the Lord. The beautiful thing about the conversion of St. Paul is it really wasn't merited. St. Paul was the opposite of deserving what he received. And yet we remember the church was interceding uh, long before this. At the death of St. Stephen, they were piling their garments at the feet of Saul, who, meaning that he had ordered it, he had ordered the hit, so to speak. Uh, and Stephen said, do not hold this sin against them. Stephen prayed for the conversion of Saul at his death. And we can be sure that Our Lady Queen of the Apostles was praying for uh, that God would raise up apostles to preach the gospel. And so this beautiful conversion uh, was, came through the intercession of others. It is so very important for us to pray deeply for our own daily conversion and the, the conversion of other sinners. There's four marks of this conversion of St. Paul that should be in every conversion. First of all, humility. He was humbled. He, he, for three days he prayed. He was kicked off of his high horse and he begged God for, for light. That it was ecclesial. He went to the leader of the church, to Ananias, and he you know, it was, a, it was an ecclesial conversion. It wasn't a conversion away from the church or away from the sacraments. It was a conversion toward them. Authenticity. Uh, for the New Testament word for conversion, it comes in two, two basic words. One is metanoia, which is a conversion of being. But there's also another one that isn't really talked about. It's called epistrepha. Metanoia is a change of being. Epistrepha is a change of physical, measurable behavior that you actually act different than before. And this is because it is authentic. And finally, it has to be resolute. There has to be uh, very clear resolutions to the difference. He has to, he has to live a very different life with specific resolutions that he's not living the same life he was before. I've, I live in a retreat center and I hear so many times, I've had a conversion, I've had a conversion. And I was like, well, show me your life. Show me your works and I'll point out your faith. Show me your real life lived actual day-to-day -day conversion and I'll tell you that you have actually converted. It's not just an intention, but it has very real resolutions and a change of life. The conversion of St. Paul we must beg, our, beg the Lord God for ourselves to be converted every day and seek that conversion through the Eucharist and through the, that sacrament of conversion through confession. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. 
We pray for the whole church, that the church may shine forth with the holiness and humility of Jesus. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father through the intercession of St. Paul, for all bishops, all successors, and apostles. We pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and those caught in sin and those most in need of conversion. And God, the Holy Spirit, may shine forth on them and give them life. For this we pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our prayers in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. From all thy saints in warfare, for all thy saints at rest. To thee, O blessed Jesus, all praises be addressed. Thou, Lord, didst win the battle, that they might conquer be. Their crowns of living glory are lit with rays from thee. Praise for the light from heaven, praise for the voice of all. Praise for the glorious vision, the persecutor saw. Thee, Lord, for his conversion, we glorify today. Enlighten all our darkness with thy truth. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we celebrate the divine mysteries, O Lord, we pray, may the Spirit fill us with that light of faith with which he constantly enlightened the blessed Apostle Paul for the spreading of your glory through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you, Eternal Shepherd, do not desert your flock, but through the blessed apostles, watch over it and protect it always, so that it may be governed by those who have appointed shepherds to lead it in the name of your Son. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, 
Lani Suncelia Tetra, Gloria Tuha, Osanna in Excelsis, Benedictus, Que Venet in Nomine Domini, Osana in Excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray, the partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy in us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, the blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Row him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Receptis salutaribus moniti, et divin institutioni formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuhur nomen tuhum, adveniat regnum tuhum, fiat voluntas tuha, secut in celo et in terra, 
Anem nostrum quote de hanum, da nobis hodie, et emitten nobis debitan nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentatio honem, sed liberanos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Ah, the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Agnus Dei, qui tole speccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tole speccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, donna nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. I live by faith in the Son of God, who has loved me and given himself up for me. For those who are not able to receive our Lord sacramentally, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion with us. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but merry sinless heart, 
with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, Oh, make us love thee more and more, Oh, make us love thee more and more. Thy body, soul, and Godhead all, O mystery of love divine, I cannot compass all I have, for all thou hast and art is mine. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O make us love thee more and more, O make us love thee more and more. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O make us love thee more and more, O make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. May the sacrament we have received, O Lord our God, stir up in us the fire of charity, with which blessed Apostle Paul burned ardently, as he bore his concern for all the churches, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May Almighty God bless you, for he has made you steadfast in St. Peter's saving confession, and through it has set you on the solid rock of the church's faith. And having instructed you by the tireless preaching of St. Paul, may God teach you constantly by his example to win brothers and sisters for Christ, so that by the keys of St. Peter and the words of St. Paul, and by the support of their intercession, God may bring us happily to the homeland that Peter attained on the cross and Paul by the blade of a sword. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Go in peace. The Mass is ended. O Sanctissima, O Pissima, Dulcis Virgo Maria, Mater Amata, Inter Amata, O Hora, O Hora Pro Nobis. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, 
Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, this is Coach Kimball from Arrows and Straight.